Bonjour, and welcome to Here Are the Nominees. I am Brent, uh, joined as usual by David. David, how are you? Ça va? Ça va bien. <laughs> I have used all the French words I know already, so we're, we're going to have to uh, steer this back. But um, Voulez-vous coucher? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, I guess, I guess I could search for song lyrics or just movie titles. Um, uh, yeah, Here Are the Nominees is a podcast where we talk about a randomly selected Oscar-nominated film. And this week, our episode is on 1967 film, uh, The Young Girls of Rochefort. Boom. Perfect. Is, is Rochefort the... Uh, is, that, is that what you would say as well? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I change depending on the sentence or mood. We should try to work in as many different pronunciations of Rochefort into this podcast as possible. So, just keep that in mind. Um, this is a Jacques Demy musical from, uh, like I said, 1967, although it was not released in the U.S. until 1968, which is why it was not nominated until the 41st Academy Awards. And it was nominated for Best Score for a musical, I think, is the, the, the category. Is that right? Yep. That's the exact Best yeah. music score of a musical picture, an original or adaptation. Okay. We'll get to that later. First off, our review of The Young Girls of Rochefort. <laughs> what were your expectations coming into this movie, David? Um, not much. I'd actually never seen a Jacques Demy movie. I, I know that uh, a lot of my kind of film friends and people on like the uh, effectively cinephiled group I know that they, they like the movie. I knew it as, uh, I think I knew it by pastiche, kind of, of like its French fashion, French, like, you know, style over plot. That's just what I had in my mind. Mm-hmm. A lot of like Fulu Fafa <laughs> type stuff I had in my mind. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw the Flight of the Concords I, I did not. episode where they pretend to know French. It's called Fulu Fafa. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that, that's pretty much all I knew about it. How about yourself? Uh, what, what are you coming in it with? So, I have seen a couple of Demi films before. I've seen Lola. I think he did Lola. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen Lola, which I really liked. And I saw The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. And uh, I liked both of those. Um, so, I guess my expectations was more of uh, Umbrellas. Uh, like another, just another Umbrellas, but it is slightly different. Umbrellas is fully uh, sung. The entire movie is sung. There is no, it's not a traditional musical like this. This is this is a your traditional musical where there's dialogues, just spoken dialogue back and forth, and then there'll be a, a number, a song. Um, but Umbrellas was, it is definitely a different experience, and it's harder to get accustomed to if you're not used to it because of the the constant singing. For the for the entire movie, so I was a little, I was a little. I, I think that was my only kind of wariness coming into this was, uh, is this going to be fully sung? But it wasn't, and I. Uh, so so it was it was fine in that regard. What do you think of the movie in general? Um. Last week we watched a, a movie where we spent close to two hours saying how pointless it felt, and. Uh, how much we really didn't enjoy it. Uh, this week, the movie's probably still pretty pointless, but I loved it. 
Um, it's, uh, it's kind of, I say pointless, but it's just, it's so effervescent and light and kind of pointless on purpose and talking about love. And it just puts you, put me in the mindset of being young. You know, it's the, the title is young girls of Rachi Fort. Um, so I knew it was going to be about youth and romance, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, it really reminds me of being a, being a young person being uh you know thinking about the the love that that you want out there and it man is it a colorful just magical experience but i'm I'm rapping a little rhapsodic about it uh i i enjoyed it quite a bit i think i could see myself revisiting it it's it's like a mood picker upper what did what did you think i adore this movie so i love this movie it makes it makes me it makes me want to go back and rewatch umbrellas again to see if i have a more similar reaction uh, to that um yeah i think you nailed all the reasons that that i love this movie um i like how you're talking about love and but it is a different kind of love it is that young that kind of like you you don't quite it's it's for it's it's about characters who don't quite get what love really is it's yeah, just but it, it's so. their expectations of love and I, I i really i've been humming the music to myself all week too uh it's the 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 twin song has stayed in my head um which is the the one that's kind of played routinely throughout the movie it's the um but we're two twins born, born under the sign of Gemini. Sign of Gemini, yeah. That's yeah. my favorite song in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it really was a movie that... And I think, you know, you were talking about how pointless it is. And, and uh, I'm guessing... You, you kind of mean like the plot, right? It, like there's yeah. not... Right. Um, and Jack to me, I actually uh, I saw that he... I don't know if I was watching an interview with him on this or if it was... Uh, part of uh, the documentary that I watched, but um, he described it as he doesn't really care about the plot. The plot's not important to this movie. He said he just, this is a movie about moments and experiences and the feeling of being in those moments. And that's really all he wanted this to be. Uh, he wanted this to be a, a tribute to Hollywood musicals. Um, whereas I think Umbrellas is more, I mean, I, I don't know enough about the genre of musicals to know if Umbrellas is, is more unique being fully sung, mm-hmm. but th- it's certainly, um, that's a style that's not typical for old Hollywood musicals, I don't think, um, singing every bit of dialogue. So uh, for this to be his tribute to American musicals, I think uh, I think he nailed it. I think it's one of my favorite musicals of all time. Yeah, same. Um, you, yeah, you can feel that uh, you can feel the things he cares about, and I love that he he kind of so sos the plot, and the uh, there's the just pursues the feeling of joy, if mm-hmm. it's and the kind of uh, not really unrequited, but just like the theoretical hopeful to be in love at one point. Yeah, and I think the art direction is is just beautifully played with it. As you know, when you're when you're in that time of life, or you're falling in love, it's like you know the colors are turned up, and boy, are they at like maximum one hundred and ten percent in this movie. I think the the, uh, 
the, the pace and the the music and the visuals, they all kind of are serving that one theme. The theme that's not really even a theme is like, ah, to be in love. <laughs> yeah. To find joy and joy. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, I, I love the way it's just about, it's not, it is mostly about the twins, but it's not just about the twins and their romances. And I, you kind of get the feeling at the start that that's what it's going to be. It's really going to focus on them. And while I don't necessarily think it loses focus, I also love the way that it just, it's also about Rochefort or Rochefort. Um, it's, uh, it's about all the, I don't know, the, the movie kind of embraces it. I think it considers Rochefort as a, a perfect stand in for this, uh, feeling of, of young love because it's the whole town. Also, there's a whimsy kind of everywhere in this movie, even when it's not focused on love. Yeah. I think not to put be too poetic or like, or, or cheesy about it, but like Rochefort is the dance partner to all these people who are in it. You have these, uh, the Demi does a great job of, it will be focused on one person and then someone will kind of like plie with the town of Rochefort and just like leave the scene and we have more of our characters kind of come on and do like another, like uh, some of the choir girls from the fair are going to come on and talk to soldiers and they're going to walk by Maxence and he's going to do a thing. And it's all kind of this, the, the connected uh, goings-on of this town. And it's really, it really adds to the kind of airiness of we're just kind of flowing through this city like a, like a champagne breeze. <laughs> it's beautiful, David. That is beautifully put. Yeah, so I, I don't have, I mean, much more to my review other than I loved it and I, I, I loved the music so much. I loved all the songs. Uh I think um, I, I did have some notes that are just kind of random notes from this, and I don't know where else to put them in this podcast, so I'm going to just start. I'm going to read some of them now. Did, before the random notes, just to, just sure. to be fair, um, is there anything that you didn't care for in the movie or things that didn't didn't really work for you? This is gonna. Th- these are going to be very minor mm-hmm. nitpicks with this movie. I think this is a five-star film for me, um, and I... So the the things that I'm nitpicking are, are going to be pretty minor as we go along, but uh, I do think the introduction of a of a murderer like halfway through the plot, and then the very ho hum way that the this mystery of who the slasher is is um, is taken care of is just was a, it was really strange to me <laughs> that they go to the trouble of showing you that some chopped up lady has been placed in a suitcase out by a, a street corner and they have the whole crowd gathered around and then eh, it's just in the paper the next day who who the killer is yeah, the, the person that these uh this extended party just had dinner with the night before they're reading the paper oh that that old guy he uh you know brutally hacked to pieces jack the ripper style some woman he'd known for 40 years and I wrote it down just because I thought it was so funny. Maxence, the poet or the painter soldier, just says, "I guess he cut her down to size." And just like French laugh, French laugh. <laughs> he was. I think he was there to. Uh, he he had hit another pun somewhere. A pun in the song uh, about. Um, oh God! What was what was the pun in the song? But I I can't remember. I'll, 
I don't know the the weird way they handle this the I don't think he was a serial killer I think it was just a single crime of passion but is it the is it the mom is it the twins mom whose reaction to the killing just I think she says uh she this the victim turned him down for 40 years turned down his advances and she said which is annoying sure but I don't think that's enough to kill her <laughs> and I and I I laughed at that. Like, how annoying to turn down his advances for 40 years. So uh, maybe not the most uh, progressive view on, uh, <laughs> on on courtship there, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's certainly interesting, the time it pays to, to do that. I also do like... Uh, the, only, the only thing I like about the Dutro's character, besides that payoff, the, the joke, the non... The non-consequence joke is um, when he's he's in the he's in Guillaume's studio and saying I knew someone just like her except she had brown hair and he didn't really look you know had brown hair shorter was not you know <laughs> like that so and Max Sans is like so not like her at all he's like no not really <laughs> that's that's Dutro <laughs> um, as for any other negatives. I- can't really think of any there there the um the song where the two girls break up with the carnies because they want to go uh hook up with soldiers is uh I, even though i really enjoy that song i don't i was kind of unaware that those girls were even with this the uh the carnies at that point and i didn't know who they were when they were uh when they came up on screen uh or I had forgotten who they were, if, if, if I ever knew to begin with. Yeah, it, it kind of, it was almost like an Easter egg. It's like, oh my gosh, those are the girls that were in front of the studio that talked to the soldier. He's like, I, I love that you have blue eyes. And when she mentioned blue eyes, I was like, you know, Leo meme and, and oh. that's always... Uh, okay, in, uh, so that's who they in, were. In that, uh, in that meme, you know, the meme. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was doing. That, that's the only thing, only way I connected the two is, I, I guess it kind of paid off. Yeah. Uh, okay, so re- let me knock out my random notes here. Yeah. Um, I love the way people, sometimes, it's not every scene, but sometimes there are residents of um, uh, Cherbourg. No, not Cherbourg. Um, Rochefort. Rochefort. There are residents of Rochefort who are just dancing to their own song in the background of scenes. Um, sometimes there, there's a scene where it's, I think it's with Gene Kelly uh, and uh, Solange and they are walking down a street singing to one another. And you can just look straight down the alley or straight down the street and you see other um other residents, other couples that are dancing and singing in the same way, but they're not doing so in a very obvious manner. It's, it's like they're having their own romantic moment in Rochefort, the same way that these two characters are. It's the same experience for all these characters. So all these characters you don't even ever meet. So I, I kind of love that. I think it establishes the town as a magical place for everyone, not just the characters we're following. I, li- I like that interpretation. Makes a lot, makes a lot of sense. Um, second note, uh, the people, these people are very bad at playing basketball in the basketball scene. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is one of the, wor- the worst, 
uh, basketball interpretations I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I think I, on screen yeah, <laughs> basketball dancing. And my note was, "Yep, that's how basketball works." <laughs> I guess there's basketball a reason there wasn't dancing. a a big uh, French star up until like Tony Parker in like '99. <laughs> it took a while. Well, they'd only seen this movie since how they basketball worked. Even the referees were constantly running around and spinning and twirling and and, and prancing and yeah yeah I watched French basketball. I watched it with uh, my wife who also loved it, but I kept okay. saying, I was, "I was well, that's a travel. That's certain. <laughs> that he picked up his dribble." <laughs> yeah, but what a what a strange. Uh, moment that what didn't make the movie bad anyway. It was just such a but such a bizarre um, little dance of basketball. Uh, I, note number three: This plot would be impossible if these close friends and family ever spoke to each other in any way about their lives. <laughs> the the fact that um, let me make sure I'm getting the characters right. Uh, Delphine has never heard of her twin sister's boss. When that is his his name is mentioned to her and she has no idea who that is mm-hmm. at one point, um, and you know it's one of the I don't know this is the kind of thing that some of those crappy YouTube channels would take and call it a plot hole that ruins the movie or something. I don't see it as that. It's not that, but it is just a. It is funny the way that all these people have like. 80% some some person will have like 80% of the information needed to make another one's love connection finally happen and mm-hmm. they'll just never hit on that uh, and it's it is a kind of movie that maybe like I mean going back to the plot not not making I mean it's not a perfectly um, plotted film as far as details go but I do love I actually love those kind of movies where one person has a key point of information, a key bit of information that would help the other one find their true love, but they just never, they just don't know they have the information. Mm-hmm. There's a, uh, there's like an audience gravity to it. It's like you just want to push the characters together or like just mm-hmm. <laughs> like later on, you just like Delphine, just turn around for a minute. <laughs> like you can see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this uh, the thing that that reminds me of is uh, like Max Maxence is every, seemingly every day going into Yvonne's cafe and singing about this blonde girl he's gonna fall in love with. Like, and Yvonne's never like, well, that you know, that kind of sounds like my daughter, or he seems to like this dude. And he's like, if you're into blondes, you know, you seem like a nice guy. <laughs> Have you ever met Delphine? <laughs> you well, two would also be like when to each other. When Andy arrives and is, uh, that's the, the character played by um, uh, Gene Kelly, and uh, he arrives and he tells Monsieur Dame that he has fallen in love with a girl, and he's playing her song on the, on the piano. And uh, Monsieur Dame's like, hmm, I've heard that before. I don't know. And it just kind of moves on, and uh, he doesn't realize that that's the same piece that had been played to him yesterday. Uh, by his student, and uh, but what's and what's even funnier to me is he's, he's just kind of like, yeah, well that's great for you, Andy. Uh, anyway, I've got this uh, I've got this employee that uh, or the student that I, I really want you to meet. Um, so we'll be setting that up. These two things are obviously completely unrelated, of course. So uh, 
anyway, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's a lot of things like that that are funny and have the audience, like you said, kind of, kind of screaming, just put it together in some way, which we eventually get to see everybody put it together almost. So I think it's, it's almost so obvious and so, so painful. And it's so close to happening that, I I interpret it as like fully intentional that that's the thing he's going for. He wants to oh yeah have the uh, I don't know what what would you call it like the the thrust be so close and just like not yield like tantric mm-hmm. plot right in front of you. <laughs> I mean the the most extreme version I think is when uh, Maxence leaves the cafe and Delphine arrives at the cafe, but then she takes the newspaper to, I guess the old man is out back or something, and she takes the newspaper somewhere, and Maxence comes back into the cafe to grab his bag that he left. Forgot my luggage. And then he, <laughs> yeah. And then he, then he just darts out the door right as Delphine's coming back. I think that, and, and yeah, I agree. It's completely intentional, and um, I think it plays as comedy a lot mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. So, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty effective. You got uh, you got more random notes. Yeah, so um, I think the 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 song where the two girls break up with the carnies is the nicest, sweetest breakup song ever, where they're just all so honest with each other, and the girls say we'd rather go um, like hook up with uh, sailors and soldiers, and then the carnies just are like, yeah, we get it. They're they're pretty handsome. How can you fight love? Oh, well. <laughs> Good luck. How, yep, this is love. So it's it really made me smile. And um, also just, I love the, I really do like the carnies and the way they're handled. I mean, these two guys just, and they sing a song basically about their sexual escapades all the way up and down the French coast. And uh, they're just, they're just so happy with everything. And they don't get, they don't get, possessive or bitter when it ends they just this is this is young life for them and they love it um there's a quote in the movie that really made me laugh and it's i think it is um i should have made note of who says it i think it's uh um solange that says to boo boo um she she's warning him she says this town is full of soldiers sadists and unknown artists (laughs) So be careful. Don't just go off with anyone. <laughs> and I love the fact that she just equates unknown artists with uh, sadists and soldiers. <laughs> I did have this question written down. Is this the most unlikely movie to ever introduce a serial killer slash uh, slasher plot midway through? <laughs> because that really came out of nowhere. Well, yeah, probably. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. There's mm-hmm. a... Uh... There's, there's movies that have random murder, but uh, I don't mm-hmm. know. I can't think of anything. There, yeah. There's a murder in Gosford Park, but <laughs> I don't know. It's not really serial. No one's hacked to bits, I guess. Right. Maybe Anchorman's <laughs> the, the trident to of the, the chest is the closest. <laughs> like, That's that great. escalated French style. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this like you said, this is just a movie about young love, and we're just uh, we're, we're hanging out with all these characters in this beautiful idyllic town. And uh, oh yeah, by the way, there's a just like some lady got got hacked to bits by uh, some person. We're so everybody be on the lookout. Yeah, maybe um, it, you know trying the devil's advocate 
being generous take. Maybe it's when you're in love or you want to be in love, you have blinders on and things like a murder happening can just pass you by. It's like, that's not, that's not really your focus. <laughs> well, they really did not seem too upset about it uh, yeah. <laughs> as characters. Um, well, I do have more to talk about, but I think I, it's going to kind of go along with some of your topics that you want to discuss and also the cast whenever we get to that. So um, that, that'll, that'll do it for my kind of notes on the movie, but I, I, I loved it. Yeah. So, so what do you want to talk about? Um, I had a couple questions. And, okay. And I did love this movie, but then it, I was thinking about it afterwards. Is, was I uh, swept off my feet or does this actually work? So I was going to pose a... Uh, uh, a game to you. Does this work for you? So, <laughs> okay. uh, a question in three parts. So okay. just a couple things I was thinking of afterwards. First, I guess most inconsequential, you know, it's definitely a choice for Jacques to me to have in this French movie, there is some decidedly non-French people speaking, um, theoretically speaking French. I think they were dubbed in some capacity, but you have uh, the most famous being Gene Kelly in here as, you know, the American <laughs> coming in here and is a, a, a college buddy of Simone Dom. And then you have George Shakiris, who's uh, Bernardo in West Side Story, you know, the mm-hmm. original one, Greek-American actor playing, uh, I think playing Bill? I think, it's, I think he's either Bill or Etienne. He is Etienne. So did those did those work for you? Did they seem kind of incongruous with the rest of of the uh, of the troop there? I, yeah, I guess the, I guess they worked okay. It, I mean, for for Kelly, they made his character American at mm-hmm. least, and I believe that uh, Gene Kelly was f- pretty fluent in French and spoke French pretty effortlessly at the time. So that there wasn't a I don't think there was a weirdness to that. So. I don't know. I, I find him believable as an American who uh, studied in France for a few years and, and returned. I, I did find that believable. The, um, the I will say the the one thing, and, and maybe this is along the same lines, that I do think some of the singing was maybe not as natural a fit for the actors as they could have been. Um, I think the only actor in the film who sang, whose voice, uh, whose singing voice was actually theirs, um, was, oh, where is her name? It's the mother. It's the, the, yes. Um, yeah, Danielle Dario. Um, she's, uh, and who I thought was fantastic in this movie. Um, but yeah, she's uh, everybody else. It's it's all someone else singing, and I thought that in some cases that worked fine, and I didn't really even notice. But yeah. in others, um, maybe Gene Kelly might have been the one that seemed oddest to me. But maybe that's because I've I've seen Singing in the Rain, and I know, I love uh, you know I know his yeah, voice. That's, that's a fair point. I have the most history with what he sounds like, and and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's almost maybe it's even owing to. Hollywood classics like I mean it's it's uh it's a plot point in singing in the rain but a lot of the most famous uh famous uh musicals out there you have someone dubbing someone like uh you know Audrey Hepburn and My Fair Lady is I think Molly yeah. Nixon I believe or somebody 
but uh, yeah, hap- happens quite a bit. Uh, I'll, I'll as for I was going to answer the second half with uh, the George uh, Chakiris. Um, he uh, that one I don't think worked as well, but I also didn't have a huge problem with it. Um, but I don't know. Those two characters are kind of the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of this movie. So I don't really. I mean, they're just these two idiots who find themselves mixed up in every single plot line of the entire film. Yeah, that's, so. that's a great, great comparison there. <laughs> um, they kind of come so in I, and they sing their place to place song again in a new context, and then they they kind of flit off the screen. But you know, you. you uh, I do think, though, that I think their casting is very intentional in that I think he wanted a couple of throwbacks to these these Hollywood musicals that he loved. And, you know, Chikaris was... This was 67, so how many years had West Side Story been? Uh, Maybe Is that 63? 61, I think. 61, so six years after West Side Story and, of course, Gene Kelly. So, I don't know. Maybe this was just a way of signaling like a a meta signal to the audience that um, that this is, this is the connection to look for is, is the musicals these guys have done in the past. And West Side Story is a very, you know, it is a musical, but it's also a very visual film. Uh, and I think that's actually one of the more striking qualities of the, the 61 West Side Story is how, uh, how great it looks. And having George Chikiris in this movie as well is a, another, I think that's a similarity because, um, that's uh, this is a extremely visually stunning film. Yeah, I think they they work for me with their dancing. I think they're both phenomenal yeah. dancers, and mm-hmm. they're you know they add to the energy of the the scenes pretty well. It's just uh, maybe it's just there's a lot of French actors I don't know, and Kat, I know Catherine Deneuve a lot from you know she's in movies like this. And then, uh, mm-hmm. that, oh, that's Bernardo, and that's Gene Kelly of Gene Kelly fame. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was the minor one. Um, second question, does this work for you? Uh, for a movie that's obsessed with romance, do the, do the actual romantic pairings, um, Andy with uh, Solange and Maxence with Delphine, do those work for you? So this is the the question I thought we might expand a little bit to just all the the other storylines as well, um, and I think for the most part they all do, but I think they do in varying degrees. Um, I think the romantic pairing that most worked for me is Yvonne and Monsieur Dom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was really once I realized once I think she has the story. He tells the story of how. I think he tells the story first of how he lost his, his the love to she ran off to Mexico because she didn't like his name. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't looking for anyone else in this movie to be that character. I was just thinking, okay, these are these are people who are influencing these the, these girls' decisions in their lives and they're just talking about their own past loves or whatever. And that's just that. But when she told the story about regretting uh, leaving a man because she didn't like his name, that's when you know the the, the, the light bulb went off, and I thought, oh, th- we're going to get to see more than just these two twins find romance mm-hmm. in this movie. And I was so excited when those two came together. Um, I really liked that. As for the twins, um, say, I actually just before that, you, uh, once you find that out, it does make a lot of the Simone Dom and. Uh, uh, 
and Solange seems uh, insanely icky. Like I, I couldn't really understand. I kept asking my wife, "Is like, is he? Are they really going to do this?" I thought he was uh, falling in love with his daughter. Is that what the movie was doing? Okay, I don't. So I don't. I did not take it as that. I just took it as a as a friendly boss type of uh, relationship, and also not his daughter. So that helps, I guess, <laughs> a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I think he is Boo Boo's father. Okay, but. But not theirs. Um, but uh, still, I mean, we're, that just puts this into Woody Allen territory, is all that does. So let's, I mean, I don't want to make that sound awesome. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, he, uh, it is, she, she conveniently says he never met her twin girls when she was with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I still never took their relationship to be going in that direction for whatever reason. And I definitely, I feel like I would have picked up on that had it been pointed that way because um, I was kind of already on alert from the um, weird, uh, much too old for her artist that uh, Delphine was was with at the start of the mm-hmm. film. So, um, but I don't know. I didn't, I didn't take, um, I didn't take that relationship to be um, icky in that way. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe on a rewatch, I, I might notice something different. I was thinking he said something to Andy Miller about he met a girl. But maybe it's just someone who musically inspired him or someone impressive with a, a daughter-shaped void in his life or a void of love. I don't know. Yeah. As for the other... The romances... um. Solange and Andy, I don't think they worked as well for me, but they still they still worked. Um, I just think I really I really liked the Delphine and Maxence uh, pairing, and how there's just something so befitting a musical to just be this love at love at glance, love at a single glance, and to just focus on that glance for uh, you know I don't know how long it's been since he saw her and drew her. But uh, my guess is weeks or, or so. Um, I don't think I don't remember if that's established. See, this but... is this is something maybe I missed. I didn't know that he ever saw her. I thought he just saw her in a dream and painted that. Oh, I thought he saw her from a distance, uh, and 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 because. I think it's in his song about his ideal of love, uh, which he does sing it quite a bit. I should have paid attention <laughs> at least once. Um, but we, we we might want to double check that. But uh, that's uh, um, either kind of either way though. Whether whether your interpretation is is how it's meant or mine is how it's meant. I think they both serve the this like classic musical sense of uh, of of love without even meeting a person, um, which works better in this format, I guess is all, is all I'm trying to get at than a, an actual drama. Yeah. They're both, they're both dreamers. And I was thinking, why is the Guillaume guy, the, uh, the, the studio owner who like shoots a balloon full of paint with a gun. <laughs> it was like Chekhov's gun at first. I was like, Oh, he's going to try to kill someone at some point. <laughs> Because he just wants to possess Delphine, and I, I can't. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess they were dating at some point, or not dating, or he just wanted to be dating. It was something to that effect. 
Yeah. And it it yeah, I think the the universe of this movie um it kind of makes sense those two dreamers wanting to be together uh, uh unfulfilled painter and a uh, uh, dancer who wants to get beyond just teaching ballet class. Mhm. I was uh, I was thinking at the uh not to uh, sidetrack us but at the end after the uh after they do the uh the twin dance at the fair and Guillaume is parked right outside <laughs> and he's like you should come with me I I I thought oh my gosh he's going to threaten her or something but once again he's just kind of like the dancers with Bill and Etienne the two carnies just like okay you don't want to go with me all right that's fine i'll see ya <laughs> I, I might be misremembering Umbrellas, uh, but I don't think it has like the happiest ending. And when he pops back up in that scene, I thought, oh my God, she's, it's, this is going to be one of those where one, one of the girls runs off with her beloved and the other just misses it. The other, she just never meets Maxence. And it's going to be this like bittersweet uh, this thing where she just winds up with him, and mm-hmm. it's uh, maybe bittersweet's the wrong word, just bitter. Um, right. It'd be a bitter ending for her, but um, but no, luckily Jacques Demi isn't here to to mess with us. It's kind of like a, a red herring. Like this guy's coming back, psych. <laughs> love, yeah, don't worry, still in play. Yeah, love wins. But yeah, so I think my answer is they they do they do work. Uh, how about how about you? What are, do they work for you? Yeah, I the I also agree. This is this podcast is a lot of us agreeing, so it, huh. it's a nice nice uh, change of pace from. Well, we we agreed in the last one too. We'll find something that we are opposed on pretty soon. Eventually, we have to. <laughs> yeah, but Delphine and uh, Maxence both work. Um, Andy Miller and Solange not as much. Maybe it's just the uh, there's just something. Uh, again incongruous about it maybe it's the the age thing you know i know it's not as big a deal back in the day or just the the discrepancy in fame like the oh that guy's uh has charm to power our major american city <laughs> and what is he doing in this tiny french town kind of thing um like uh they have pretty good physical chemistry like dancing and singing together so um they're both they're both very sweet though the the pairings. I, th- yeah. I think they work. I also liked I liked uh, Yvonne co- going back to Simone Dom. I just felt so bad for Simone. Really yeah. downtrodden character. I think the the movie kind of redeems him. It's it's really it's really a nice thing to do for him. <laughs> it's like a, everyone is happy in the end kind of kind of touch. Although I think he, I, I saw the uh, the actor was saying, and this may have been in the documentary, but I think the actor was saying that he was, uh, you know, like terrified that he had the he had to do a dance scene at the very end uh, where Gene Kelly was like twenty feet away from him. <laughs> I can imagine that would be mortifying. That's yeah, that's that's but, high pressure. <clears throat> so uh, anything else? I'll say maybe as a good segue from that. So we know. Uh, Andy Miller and Solange pair up on screen, but the yes. the movie has kind of a, a clever twist to has has given us kind of everything we've wanted so far is everyone ends up together and it's all sweet and you almost think that Delphine's going to just leave and then 
And you see Max Sans on the side of the road as like a mirror of the beginning shot with all the vans and mm-hmm. everything. Now they're leaving. And uh, I know I was cheering like, it's Max Sans! <laughs> and where, also, where is he going? Is, is he not stationed somewhere? I mean, he's a he's a sailor, and he's just he just seems to be hitchhiking. Well, he to said Paris. he said he was done, so he'd done his. I guess there was he'd done his uh, mandatory okay. service. Um, Got it. I don't okay. know. I don't know much about post war sixties French army stuff. <laughs> if you did, this would be, be a, a, a hell of a pick on my part to watch this movie. <laughs> Although he does say, you know, every night I go AWOL and paint in my studio. So that's the French army for you. I guess they could just like. <laughs> Why are you leaving your barracks? It's for to paint my love. It's like okay, <laughs> not quite the same as stringent requirements as like the units and paths of glory or something like yeah. that. Yeah, but yeah, so he's done with his service, so he's just going on trying to find his love. So I guess the point of all that is uh, they never actually meet on screen, and it's just left up to our imagination. So. On the scale, is that too clever and cute, or does that uh, is that just right for how this movie should end? I don't really think it made it better or worse mm-hmm. that that decision. I think it's, I think it's cute. I think he, I don't know. I was smiling when I saw him jump up into the cab because uh, I got to. I just you know you know what's happening then mm-hmm. you know that, and I think the only reason it isn't filmed is because they didn't have the technology to make uh, Max Sans's head explode upon finally seeing. <laughs> The, uh, his his uh, ideal of beauty uh, in the in the truck cab with him because uh, I'm sure he would have had quite a reaction launched into song I'm sure I think with the color turned way up like that much blonde hair in one screen might like just you know ruin the frame somehow it's very it's very Lannister yeah, I think that I think that's it's definitely on purpose and I think you're right either way would probably work. I think it's kind yeah. of a fun way to say you know, the director's been keeping people at bay and away from each other the whole time, and at the very end they're together, but, you know, that's another story kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So th- those are my three kind of, does this work for you? So Okay. Well, yeah, in a movie that I just love, the answers for does this work tend to be yes, yes, yes. Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah, only other thing I had was when we touched on it a little bit, uh, there's a lot of meta, meta qualities here. You know, mm-hmm. you said Demi was inspired to, by like Hollywood and old musicals of the past. You see it a lot. It's, it's pretty self-referential. Like when the, the, the carnies are saying, do us a song. And they're like a song like Michel Legrand, the person who's like writing the music they're actively singing is fun. They make references to Jules and Jim, references to Demi's Lola. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene Kelly does a dance from American in Paris. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I have. I have not, so I did not recognize that. Yeah, uh, he he does that when it's in the alleyway after he's he's seen uh, he's seen Solange for the first time, and like does the. Uh, Is that when the boys or the 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 school like the school boys are kind yeah, of dancing kind of along with a little, them? little soldier dance and like jumping and stuff? Yeah. It, it's in that dance. Um, there's a lot of performance about performance, like the town, the town square fair performances. It's not just, you know, head on. You see scaffolding, and you see how a show's made. Um, I could say what what would you make of it, but I guess Demi said um, it's kind of the self self referential 
uhness to it, I guess. Of mm-hmm. these are musicals I love, and we're we're in love with being in a musical. You see, do you see anything in it past that, or mile for mark? No, I just think it. I, I do think it's just the same. The same way the casting of Kelly and Shakiris is kind of tied into that. It's just to me, just saying. We're here to love musicals. That's what I'm really here for in this movie. Yeah, playful nods in a movie that's always mm-hmm. playing. Yeah. Okay, well, that's all uh, I had for my <clears throat> my little points. Okay, well, I just have a few. These are, I think, going to be pretty brief. Um, first thing is, uh, why don't movies look like this anymore? Because this movie looks great. I feel like uh, maybe Wes Anderson is maybe one of the few directors who has movies that the have these colors that are quite on the same palette and it's just I don't know there's just this movie is gorgeous and I just I don't know it made me I'm sitting there watching this movie and I just it it looked great and I'm just thinking man I just movies these days are so dark and gray and I just want more movies that look like this yeah um well I think about six years ago La La Land was definitely uh, directly inspired by this especially a lot of the use of color and primary colors mm-hmm. and things popping. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe there's something cheesy about it. Or to be realistic, you have to have a drab color palette. Or if you're going to make a Batman, it's got to be <laughs> shades of gray only. Wow, I wish a Batman movie looked like this. <laughs> <laughs> That would be great. Yeah, I want David Fincher to direct a film with this color palette. Yeah. This That's this movie I mean. made me similarly just in love with color and and vibrancy. Yeah, yeah totally agree. I love the uh, in the fair scene. There's you know, when they're doing like the one shot kind of panning through the crowd and mm-hmm. looking at all the different things. It's not just uh, active camera, but people are throwing colorful streamers and rice constantly, like t-shirt cannons <laughs> full of it. And I love that, like, even when you're doing a passive scene, kind of getting scope of what's going on, it's active and it's it's lively. Um, mm-hmm. It reminded me, you know, what you're talking about a little bit. Um, did you ever see Another Round last year? The uh, Oh, yeah. 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 Thomas Vinterberg movie. The ending of that mm-hmm. movie reminds me of this a little oh, yeah. bit. A lot of the, uh, you know, confetti and stuff and dancing in the harbor reminded me of, uh, you know, some of the vibe of this movie. Is the best part of that movie, and I want it to kind of be in in all movies. Even the Wes Anderson will have the colors, but his style is everyone is super monotone, and you know that's his thing. But I def- you can definitely feel the influence that this had on on future films, uh, specific ones. I also noted La La Land, and I think that one's fairly obvious. In fact, I would be I would be shocked if there was a movie that um, uh, Damien, what's his last name? Chazelle had more on his mind than the young girls of Rochefort when he was making uh, La La Land because it's just I, I think even the the the, uh, the the songs are similar. I think the style of the music is is very similar between the two films, and uh, I think I think if you love La La Land, this is I think this is definitely a movie you'll you'll enjoy. Um, but I also thought about like a movie that is French and is uh, revolves around um, lovelorn people in uh, a cafe, and that's Amelie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
which I think has there are some qualities to to this movie that it shared with Amelie. And then I think there are other attempts at this kind of film, like uh, like Love Actually is another movie that comes to mind, where it's uh, a lot of people looking for love and they interact with each other in various ways, and you know more or less everybody finds it at the end. Yeah, both those movies, um, uh, maybe Amelie even more, is like making the entire town fall in love. You know, the, mm-hmm. some of Amelie's machinations, and there's a lot of those similar kind of pull in this movie. Not just the girls are going to fall in love, but their mother's going to fall in love. Like the carnies are going to fall in love and then fall out, and the people that come <laughs> with, you know, they find new love. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that Amelie is just like Rochefort in human form. <laughs> like she, it's the the uh, the catalyst for all these romances. Yeah. But as for, love actually is not exactly this type of movie that I'm thinking of. But like uh, another thing I, I, I did want to make note of is, is and I, I talked about it earlier, I love missed connection movies where um, there's just some, I don't know, the characters believe that they're, they're supposed to be with this one other person and uh, it's just a matter of finding their way back to them and certain people have some information and others don't. And um, I, I thought of... I, I thought of this movie's influence on films like Sleepless in Seattle mm-hmm. and You've Got Mail. Both, uh, you know, both have a lot of that quality. I think You've Got Mail relies on it more of the the always interacting but never quite knowing the the key thing you need to know. Um, another movie that is also similar that I, I it was not critically acclaimed, but I loved it at the time, and that's Serendipity mm. was a movie that I always really liked that had a lot of that same kind of quality of, of the universe ultimately steering all these people back towards the, the person they need to be steered towards, even when the, the connection is missed early on. Sure. Or like a, like a sliding door situation. Like one thing happens, like you just don't look around while someone's going back for luggage and it's a whole other kind of thing. Like always close doesn't happen. I guess when mm-hmm. you had a uh, misconnection movies in the notes, I guess m- more what comes to mind for me is where it doesn't work out. So it's kind of nice that oh, like it, work it, out like, yeah, like in the mood in for the love. Mood for Although love, I mean, brief encounter, it's kind of a little different. Yeah, things where um, it's not that they don't see each other, but they see each other and they can't stay together. I guess, or, or they just can never make the thing happen. Yeah, their lives are but, yeah. are you know their their lives don't work together. They met each other at the Lost in Translation. Time. Yeah, Lost in Translation. Um, yeah. I just saw Worst Person in the World. It has a really good take on this, too. Nice. Um, this is just a general question for you, uh, since we're both English speakers. Uh, is a foreign language musical, do you find it easier or harder to watch than a standard foreign language film? Um, for me, uh, I'd probably say it's a little harder. There's the... Um, if it's in my native language, I think the, the music kind of sticks a little easier. It's a little easier yeah. to play back in my head. It's like there's the score of it, but the words are a little tougher. It's kind of a twice removed kind of thing with, right. uh, with the musical, especially one so person with life. I would love to have seen this as a native French speaker without subtitles, but there's like crazy visuals going on and people are singing and I'm reading subtitles. 
And yeah. Sometimes they even drop the subtitles when it's like it's yeah. a refrain that they've sung in the song before. That they've sung before. But, <laughs> you should have known. You should yeah, know it like, by I now. I should have been t- taking notes <laughs> like my immersive French class. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's a little tougher, but uh, I don't know if it's done really well. It it grabs you regardless. Mm-hmm. It is a little hard to watch the dancing while they're singing. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, I was focused on the lyrics, which, by the way, were really amazing, incredible. Because the yeah. English, the English translations also rhyme. <laughs> These songs rhyme in French and English, and I don't know how that is yeah. possible. This is some genius. This is this is like uh, I don't know. It's like those people who can write uh, was ambigrams, who which are words that look the same uh, mm-hmm. reversed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't even know how that's how someone does that. It's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's next level puzzle solving. Yeah, I, I nudged uh, my wife and I was like, wait, I think the English rhymes too. Like, what a coincidence. <laughs> you can sing along at home uh, and using the English lyrics. And it's it's really, it's amazing. And the, the last thing I wanted to touch on is uh, I love I love kind of movies like this where the, the town is, you know, it's its own character, its own star. And... Um, and I know I touched on it a little bit, but I, I was watching the um, the documentary uh, "Young Girls Turn 25," which is uh, Agnes Varda in 1993 um, made a documentary about um, the making of this film, and uh, it's 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 really good. It focuses a good bit on. Uh, I mean, she she had. I don't know exactly when he passed. I want to say it was maybe the eighties, but uh, you know, Agnes Varda was married to Jacques Demy, and um, also I don't know if you you uh, read this, but um, or maybe you just knew it. But uh, the actress who played Solange, Francois um, Dorliac, yeah, and she she was killed in a car accident the year that's like a, about four months after this movie was released in France. Yeah, I read um, that. It's tragic. It was. It is very tragic. So this was her and her real life sister, Catherine Deneuve, uh, getting to make a yeah. movie together. I obviously knew Catherine Deneuve as like a titan of French cinema, and I didn't I didn't know mm-hmm. very much about uh, Francois Dorliac. So I thought like oh, Deneuve probably in just starting this movie, Deneuve probably just blows her out of the water. But uh, her her take on Solange is also really captivating. She's really great in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I completely agree, but like uh, the the film focuses a little bit on that, uh, and that's good. But it also actually takes a lot of time to. Uh, it, it's actually about Deneuve coming and a few other stars of the film coming back to Rochefort for the 25th anniversary of the film. And uh, the best part about the documentary is you you get a sense of how the movie impacted the lives of the people who live in this tiny French town. I mean, it's. It's not tiny, but it's twenty three thousand people today live there, so it's not a particularly large French city. And it seems, I mean, all these all these extras and uh, and whatnot from the movie they they all still live there. Hmm. And so you have so many people who showed up to be in this documentary that say uh, these four guys at the very start of the doc. They're just like, hey, we're the four guys who rode motorcycles in the opening scene through the town square. <laughs> They'll be. Uh, they they had like um, uh, a mother, a girl who played the mother, one of the mothers picking up the kids from school, mm-hmm. and then one of the boys or one of the guys who played the kids 
uh, who played her son, they reconnected <coughs> like 15 years after this movie and eventually got married. Uh, and there's actually only an age difference of about four years between them. It was a 15-year-old woman playing the mother of an 11-year-old <laughs> boy uh, at the school, one, one of Boo Boo's classmates. And uh, anyway, I just really loved seeing all these. They're so proud of this movie. And the, uh, it gave you. It really gave me a sense for how how much the town was incorporated into the making of it. Um which is which is really cool because you just get the sense that movie crews um, invade towns and cities and you know they make their film and they leave and that's that. Um, but I don't know. You really get a sense that they, um, I don't know. This the the film crew here really interacted with and made the made the townspeople feel pretty special. The, my favorite scene is actually there's there's some guys talking about how they were so proud. And these are I don't know, 30-something-year-old men at this point, maybe 40, that they were so proud to have been chosen by Gene Kelly to do some uh, dances with him out in mm-hmm. the alleyway. He he taught them the steps to the dance about five minutes before the uh, the scene was shot. And it was just Gene Kelly... Uh, apparently, to me, wanted Kelly to choreograph the entire movie, but... He was. Um, he said he, he had other arrangements. He couldn't. He couldn't make it for that long, and so he was only. They only were able to have him for a couple of weeks. And I'm so, glad it was uh, a good experience because you hear a lot of uh, him torturing like Debbie Reynolds and singing in the rain. <laughs> I'm glad these kids weren't traumatized by him going. No, I'm not right. right. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. It's it. Uh, this this. I, I bought the the uh, Criterion disc mm-hmm. for this and uh watched all the the supplements and or the supplemental materials and and whatnot it was i don't know very rewarding and highly recommended I'm trying to think of other so. like i know exactly what you're talking about uh, other movies and i'm trying to discount the ones that are the most obvious where like the two that i'm thinking of is like los angeles is a character or new york is a character which i think is just it's almost like the cliche of blank as a character you're thinking of like New York City is a character in itself, kind of like taxi driver style. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it's entrancing. But we're a small yeah, it's town. Entrancing it's, when it's like yeah. a small town. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of any. Do you have any other examples that come to mind? Really, I, I really don't. I just I'm, and and I, I I thought about it a, a little bit, and I just didn't really come up with anything. Um, but uh, I mostly just wanted to talk about how. Uh, how kind of cool I thought it was in this case. Yeah, it um, makes me really want to see that documentary mm. that people still kind of love being a part of something like this that really brought out the magic in their city. It's, it's yeah. nice film tourism for it, I'm sure. Oh yeah, they, I'm still I'm sure they still make a lot of money off of off of this film. Okay, so anything else on our review? Recommend. <laughs> recommended indeed uh and i will I actually I, I do have more to say but we'll we'll cover the cast mm-hmm. a little bit later um so let's delve into its uh its race at the 41st academy awards it was only nominated for one oscar best score of a musical picture original or adaptation it was nominated against oliver <laughs> uh, uh which one it was also nominated against Finian's Rainbow, Funny Girl, and a movie called Star. And the other nominees were... So it was uh, Michelle Legrand and Jacques Demy, who uh, 
basically co-wrote the, the score. I mean, Legrand did the um, did the actual music. He was sitting behind a piano, but um, Demi was basically sitting. Uh, they they uh, some of the extra materials mm-hmm. had scenes from them working on this score together, and it was Demi would just be sitting in a chair next to the piano, telling him, uh, you know, working with him on on all this stuff, which was pretty cool to see. Um, but uh, yeah, they were not Oliver's. Uh, um, composer was Johnny Green. Finian's Rainbow was Ray Heindorf. Funny Girl was Walter Scharf, and Star was Lenny Hayton. And I really don't have a lot of uh, experience with any of these composers or any of these movies. I know for that Oliver is the one that won Best Picture this this year. I've seen part of it, uh-huh. but never finished it. It is it's in the Cherbourg stock stock and like Les Misérables stock where it's constant singing. So maybe it's mm-hmm. volume. It's the most. Um, music over uh something else not knowing too much about these other than that i mean i would have i would have voted for this movie it's just entrancing yeah uh i i would too but i also have plead ignorance on the other four um so i don't know but then again i mean it, it does kind of feel just like a you know this was still an era where i'm guessing foreign language films just didn't get a lot of love from the oscars and for it to just get a nomination was probably um seen as throwing it a bone in some way and giving it a little bit of recognition but um it was probably kind of doomed as far as a a chance to win yeah although Um, michel legrand does win an oscar this year he had an original song for the original thomas crown affair just kind of Trivia wow. thing. So he has an he has that is, uh, I think at least one Oscar. I think maybe multiples. Wow, the the windmills of your mind. <laughs> Not exactly instant classic. I don't really. I don't remember ever hearing that one before. But well, David, let me ask you: Do you think this should have been nominated in any other categories? So many others. Sometimes <laughs> we're like, yeah, maybe one, but it would be kind of a stretch. I would have done it in a whole ton. Um, I think I could find like at least five. The, the biggest one that's the most, uh, the one that sprang instantly into mind for me was Art Direction and yep, Set art Direction. Um, I read a little bit about it. I didn't see the documentary. I, now I'm I'm compelled to see it after this. But a lot of the like a lot of the color wasn't there originally, and they put up a lot of banners and add a lot of color to it, and mm-hmm. they just made it the most one of the most magical places on earth. I'll also say that I think the there's a, a, a location, a set that, that it's my favorite uh, design in the entire movie, and it's probably the one with the maybe the least amount of color, and that's the music shop. Mm. I love the layout. I love I think that is a gorgeous setting for the, the couple of scenes that are there. And mm. with all the, the violins hanging from the ceiling and whatnot. I, I just think it's, I don't know. I love, I love that set. Yeah. And, um, I, I agree this, if, if I could only pick one, this is the one and it's best art direction. Um, I've seen 2001, a space odyssey, which also didn't win, but, and it's, it has fantastic art direction as well, mm-hmm. but, um, I would still vote for this over it. Yeah. Also, oh. I, we return to it a lot. The cat, like the mod style cafe with the big open windows. Oh yeah. That so much the plot takes in and and it's so the windows are so important you see characters coming in and leaving uh, it's mm-hmm. really great and people jump boo boo jumps on tables and stuff it's such a lively 
set for it could have just been a normal cafe and it's mm-hmm. just injected with life yeah uh, I'll also throw costume design in there yeah. as well. I think this was a, a I don't know, I love the, the the clothes of this movie. Also because uh, it would be it'd be cool to ha- give them both a nomination because the uh, the guy responsible for uh, art direction and the the woman who did the costumes were married. Oh, that's just perfect. They were they were old college friends of uh, Jacques Demy. Cool. And and while I was watching it next like I said next to my wife who was a uh, you know, a vintage fashion expert, and she was uh-huh. just going insane over the hats. the The hat work here is like the one of the biggest flexes in this movie. The movie starts and like even these kids, even the school children that are in the back of the scene have like these these bomb hats on. <laughs> and Delphine and and uh, Solange both have these huge like Hello Dolly flowing hats with intricate stuff in them. I say stuff. Like filigrees and blah blah blahs, but every everything from their shoes to their hats to the top of their heads are are just filled with color and passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great one too. Um, I would certainly uh, hope this could get nominated for best foreign language film, which it did not. Yeah, that's that's a tough break. <laughs> um. These were so- these were original songs as well in the movie, right? Yeah. Uh, boy, I'd throw at least one or two of those in there. Um, I thought it sounded great. Best sound, I can see an argument for. Um, I think, as as far as the the quote unquote bigger awards, um, I don't know that screenplay necessarily would have gotten a no- should have gotten a nom. Uh, but best picture, best director. I would say yes to both of those, especially in what seems like a fairly weak year. Um, and I'm maybe I'm maybe it's unfair of me to say that when I haven't seen four of the five Best Picture nominees. I've only seen Romeo and Juliet, which was I don't know. It's a fairly faithful adaptation, but that's kind of it. I don't know. It's been a, probably twenty years since I've seen that movie, but um, uh, it, it's a little strange that two thousand one isn't nominated for Best Picture. Um, despite a best director nomination, and seems like they they liked it a lot, but um, I would I would throw Young Girls of Rochefort into Best Picture and Best Director, and maybe Best Supporting Actress as well, um, because I really really did enjoy the performance of um, uh, 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 terrible with names that I don't know already. Um, uh, her name was Danielle Dario as Yvonne. Mm. I really enjoyed her performance in this movie, but would you uh, have nominated either of the uh, twins? I wouldn't have had a problem, and there's a there's a strong likelihood that I like either or both of their performances better than some nominated performance. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily see those performances and think, man, they got cheated. But then again, it's hard for me to judge a performance that it's in a foreign language and highly musical. So I'm not, I'm spending a lot of time reading the words rather than watching the, the faces. Yeah, true. Um, you know, and face is a big part of acting as they say. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's hard to tell if it's just, I mean, the, the two twins are just so captivating. 
Yeah. They're both their voices are dubbed, but their their movement, their look, all that, and some of it's just being ridiculously French and good looking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ridiculously French and ridiculously good looking. But they're they're great um, symbols of of love in, in the movie. Yeah, I don't I don't know if if they would be nominated. I I don't know some of these some of these movies mm-hmm. like Vanessa Redgrave was nominated for Isadora. I've never heard of that movie before. These other movies I've heard of Funny Girl, Lion in Winter, Rachel Rachel, and the subject was Roses, but I don't know. Of the movies I've seen, I would put it in there. Uh alright, so um final thoughts on the young girls of Rochefort. Let's go through the cast. Um any 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 extra thoughts on Catherine Deneuve as Delphine? Uh, no, super, super captivating, uh, and, uh, really iconic. Yeah. I mean, Catherine Deneuve is beautiful and you have to be, if the whole story revolving around Delphine is that some guy either dreamed of or saw her from a distance and, uh, based, you know, based his entire ideal of beauty around her and that needs to work. You need to have a face that makes that work. And she does. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's more than just a pretty face in this movie, but you know, it, it, that certainly helps. Um, uh, I don't know. Was he really second build George Chakiris as Etienne? Yeah, he is in, at least in the IMDb. I don't know in the order of credits if he yeah. is. I think he might be. I guess he would have been pretty big coming off of West Side Story um, over mm-hmm. some of these people. And they definitely hid the uh, Gene Kelly... I think it was like a with Gene Kelly kind of thing. Yeah. You know, with our big star we're hiding. Um, you know, we already kind of talked about Chakiris and Kelly. and um, But following up on Deneuve, uh, Francois uh, Dorliac was uh, fantastic, I think, as Solange, um, which you, you touched on earlier. Um, really, uh, there's really only one other person in the cast I want to highlight, and that's uh, Jacques Perrin as uh, Maxence. And I thought he, I think that's the toughest character in this movie to sell, I think. Um, I mean, he's just, he's this not dreamy looking necessarily, although he, he very well might be dreamy looking, but he's this dreamy character who's just uh, launches into song about his ideal beauty uh, sitting at the cafe. And I think that's, I don't know, I think of all the, the characters, I think that's the toughest for the actor to sell. And I think... It's. It feels like the character that would be toughest for me to to buy into, and I think he nails it because he, he won me over with that song, um, and I think it's an. I think he has. He's excellent as Maxence. I, w- I wasn't as sold on him. There was a little bit of uh, a little bit of I get it with it <laughs> of the same notion over and oh, over sure. again. He only has one thing on his mind. Yeah, um, but in the end, you know, I really wanted him to get the thing he was looking for, so he, he did, he did sell it. There's so many, I think there's so many movies about painters who, just just want to be in love and they're painting love and joy. And I don't know, I I, I kind of get it. I, I will say this also: I didn't recognize Jacques Perrin until I saw the documentary, and he appears in it uh, in the early '90s. And uh, do you know what other movie you've seen with him in it? Uh, no, I don't think so. He is, uh, it's a 1988 film that you've seen called Cinema Paradiso. Ah, wow. He's the, he is the adult director. Really? He's the, when he comes back to the town. Yeah. 
Wow. That's adds that's, another layer to that, doesn't it? Yeah. So uh hey, another town as a character movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, that that's a that is a good call. Um I, I think for the most part the entire cast is very good. Um but I, I love that you've highlighted Yvonne, because that could have just been a uh a background role, but she is really super charming and yeah. at the crux of a lot of these these uh scenes you get over and over again and she's funny and and uh yeah, really great. Uh all right, so um Jacques Demy, this is your your introduction to Jacques Demy. Um are, are you looking uh you, you think you'll you'll watch more of his work now? Does this yeah. make you more likely to? Yeah, very much so. At least Umbrellas and probably Lola. Um, I know he directed a movie called Donkey Skin, <laughs> which sounds more like a Harmony Corinne movie than <laughs> <laughs> a French, French like fable yeah. or fairy tale movie. Uh, definitely those two though that I need to catch up on. Yeah, so I've seen the I guess the big three. I didn't uh, really even put together that Lola that he. The, the same director directed Lola and uh, the Umbrellas of uh, Sherbork. But yeah, these are three of his, uh, I think they're his three most well-regarded movies. Um, I think after Donkey Skin, um, uh, at least as far as Letterboxd reviews go, that it seems to taper off into kind of middling territory. But um, but yeah, the, I, I think Umbrellas is, is definitely worth checking out. And I actually really liked Lola too. I think that Lola is more of a, a movie that that's dominated by a, a few scenes, but I think that the the best scene in Lola is is uh, is pretty incredible. So uh, I would recommend it. Um, where would you guess that Jacques Demy ranks among the all time directors, as decided by my simple math? <laughs> it's quite simple, right? Yeah. Um, well, he's got he's got a baker's dozen in terms of movies here. Um, he is uh, hit above four twice, so that puts him in some good company. Um, he also directed a movie called A Slightly Pregnant Man, so that gives him <laughs> bonus cr- bonus credits for inspiring the movie Junior. <laughs> I'll say... Uh, I'll say 185. Uh, you're not too far off. Um, he is just inside the top 150. So he's mm. number 148. Yeah, not bad. Mm-mm. He's uh, in between Joseph von Sternberg, who I don't think I've ever seen any of his films, and uh, Joseph Mankiewicz. Mm, besides the Joes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's, I don't know, that seems about right. I actually did not look this up. Did you look up uh, where this ranks in the They Shoot Pictures rankings? Because I bet it's pretty high. I can do that real fast if you haven't. Yeah, you could definitely, even though it's it's 13 movies and it seems like they kind of go downhill after mm. a little bit, um, definitely indelible style. And style um, over plot is something I can definitely see here. I haven't seen all of these, but it seems like you could look at a still image at some of these movies and, and recognize it pretty instantly. So this ranks as uh, the, so on the website they shoot pictures dot com. Uh, they do a uh, a list of the the thousand greatest movies of all time. They actually have their list out to like twenty thousand, but um, mm-hmm. they they don't bother the uh, the website with all those. But um, 
this ranks number 372 on the most uh, critically acclaimed or mentioned, or I'm not sure exactly how they decide it, but um, it seems, I don't know, it's a pretty fun list to, to, to look at. And uh, three top a top 400 movie of all time seems fair. I might have it even slightly higher than that. Yeah, considering there's over 100 years of movies and, you know, of upwards of I don't know infinity movies out there, that that seems uh, seems pretty good. So Demi has um, this is his number two ranked movie on that list. Umbrellas of Cherbourg checks in at one fifty seven, um, wow. and then Lola is also in the top five hundred. It's number four ninety eight. But this is uh, Umbrellas is also a movie that Martin Scorsese lists as one of the one of his favorite movies of all time. But that's it for Demi in the top thousand. He his next movie after that would be uh, a 1982 movie that's ranked 1700th all time. If you go to the director pages on They Shoot Pictures, you can find each movie's um, specific ranking in the entire. So like, he has a 1963 movie called Bay of Angels, which ranks 3,931st, <laughs> which is get the really, checklist out. Just print really, it. really, fun, really fun to look at. Um, but yeah, this is. Uh, it's it's a great website to just kind of kill time and, and look at uh, look look at director stuff on because you can see that they actually have found where Jacques Demy listed his favorite films of all time and on the list unsurprisingly Singing in the Rain um, is one of his uh, his favorite movies yeah and um, something like uh, just to maybe do a head nod to the algorithm that chooses these movies you know a single Oscar nomination. Uh, just doesn't really tell the story of like how how fun this movie is. I think that that's lacking sometimes in uh, what individual snapshots of what a film academy looks at each year. They're looking for important stuff. I'm I'm very glad I see it, and this is definitely not going to be the last time I'm going to see it. So pretty well, pretty thankful that we got to got to see it through this forum. We have uh, just one last bit of business to take care of, David, and that is uh, how does this movie connect to Don't Look Up? <laughs> The best I could do esoterically was uh, side plots that don't really matter. <laughs> There's quite a, quite a lot of stuff like of the BuzzFeed of it all doesn't really, you know. This movie is a little bit scattershot, but it's in a charming way. Whereas Don't Look Up is scattershot in a um, frustrating way because it's trying to be such a message movie. Um, that's 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 the only thing I had in locked in the barrel. I was trying to connect Jonah Hill to Boo Boo in some way, but <laughs> I couldn't really, couldn't really make it work. Boy, that's a tough one. We've managed to do this every uh, sequence we've had, but this is probably the toughest, um, and I don't have a great answer. Timothy Chalamet, he's kind of French, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Oh, um, uh, how about stunt casting big stars? No, that's that's too esoteric too. I mean, how about the fact that people in this movie aren't real concerned about the most horrific thing in their lives, which is a woman getting chopped up and left on the uh, street corner? Bang! I think you nailed it. That's the probably the closest <laughs> we're gonna get. <laughs> these yeah these these movies both have have populations of people who just. Uh, really are only concerned with themselves and, you know, love and uh, 
pop stars and that kind of thing. And they don't nice watches, chill apartments. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's the best I'm going to do on that. Um, well, you were talking about movies that, uh, are highly enjoyable with only a single Oscar nomination. And that brings us to our next film. Hmm. This is a movie that um, I've actually seen in the last probably nine months or so, but I do not mind watching this again. I love this movie. It's one of my favorite movies of its type and era, and it's also going to be a movie that's very easy to connect to um, young girls of Rochefort. I'll give you a tagline, David. Okay. Back, back together for the first time again. This is a... This is a movie from 2003. Back together for the first time again. And I'm assuming it's not a time travel movie? It is not a time travel movie. Oof. 2003. The 2003 Oscars or the movie came out in 2003? The movie came out in 2003. Uh... So looking at Letterboxd, I... Let me see if you've... I'm sure you've seen this movie. It's just a matter of have you rated it on Letterboxd. You have not rated this movie on Letterboxd. I know Lost in Translations that year, but that's more Oscars. Master and Commander year. It's not Fellowship of the King, or (laughs) Return of the King, which I also know is that year. Uh, I hope it's not Seabiscuit, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is also 2003. This this is going to be an easy movie to watch. It's a scant hour and 31 minutes. Okay. Uh, so it's not The Last Samurai. Uh, <laughs> no, you would not call The Last Samurai scant. No. <laughs> it, it is scant in no way. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank so far. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this is a film. Let me see. Uh, a, a director reunites most of the cast from his beloved uh, work from a few years earlier. Actually, from this is kind of the third movie he's done with this cast, uh, and it's to tell the the story of um, '60s era musicians getting back together in the early 2000s. Oh, for, uh, yeah, A Mighty Wind. A Mighty Wind is our next film to watch. It's on HBO Max right now, and uh, yeah, it's it's a movie that I just I love. I could watch this movie two or three times a year, mm. easy. This one have, could be interesting. I have have a, you have you seen this movie? I have a difficult history with Christopher Guest movies. Oh, fun! Yeah, that's good. I I I think I, the last time I saw it was like two thousand three. Okay. Like when when it came out, or probably the the year after, leading up to the Oscars <laughs> or after the Oscars or something. Um, but I'm not I'm not the hugest fan of all of his movies. Like I'm not a waiting for Guffman guy. I actually don't like that movie. Some of them I like, some of them I don't. So, well, that could be interesting. Could be. And I, actually, I'm, I'm atypical for guest because I don't love Best in Show. as I don't think it's his... I actually, I think this is my favorite Christopher Guest movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will have to, we'll have to see. I kind of know how it holds up for me because I, I introduced my wife to the movie a few months ago. And uh, we had a good time. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's, it, it, it'll be a very... Uh, an easy watch much easier than don't look up and also like technically easier than uh young girls of rochefort because there won't be quite as much reading necessary sure do you know what it's streaming on for anyone who wants to listen hbo max hbo all right 
You do have HBO, correct? I do. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, A Mighty Wind, 2003, Christopher Guest was nominated for Best Original Song at the Oscars. Yeah. I think it lost to the song from... Lost in Stupid Return Elf of the Song. King, yeah. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. Um, Annie Lennox song or something. Or... <laughs> yeah. The worst part of Return of the King is what it lost to. <laughs> Annie Lennox singing over the end credits. Like, it's uh, the most jarring, oh, right, this was made on real earth moment of the entire trilogy for me. <laughs> Should have just ended with the Celine Dion song. Yeah. Or Bruce Springsteen or something. <laughs> anyway... Uh, I am uh, very happy we watched this this movie. I've I've just fell in love with this, and I mean it's about twins. I'm, I can't wait to show this to my girls uh, in fourteen, fifteen years from now when they'll uh, when I think they'll they'll be able to enjoy it. So yeah, maybe some some will be more of a Delphine than a Solange. Yeah, and you know my my twins don't they don't look alike either. So they're they're um, you know kind of obviously fraternal the same way these two are. So it's only. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll get to fight over who gets to be Solange. Man, <laughs> man, what if I have what if I have kids? Uh, I just is that too much of the cinephile's dream is for your kids to be into like French art musicals from the '60s? <laughs> no, probably... I mean you could probably force it. <laughs> Instead of the Paw Patrol route, you can go. Uh, you know, you can go this way. Man, if I could have them singing this, singing the twin song in French by the time they're like seven or eight years old, that would be amazing. Yeah, my 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 daughter just wants to sing. We don't talk about Bruno. So. <laughs> It'd be different singing "Song of Gemini," "Sign of Gemini." Yeah. Anyway, uh, any, anyway this was fun, and um, please subscribe. <laughs> what, what what are the things we ask people to do? Um, yeah, subscribe to the podcast helps. If you could give us a rating, uh, that also helps. Uh, yeah. Tell your friends about it. If That's you're the in thing. a uh, if you're in a group or something, people who like movies, especially going back and looking at older movies, looking at context. Um, you know, we got a lot of titles under our belt. Uh, nine to be exact. <laughs> There's one that'll strike your fancy. Um, other things you can do for our uh, host is uh, you could. Um, Check out uh, themediabias.com. Uh, email themediabias at gmail.com. We have a Twitter, at themediabias. And we also have a Letterboxd account, which this will be up on. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and the Twitter account is not dead. I tweeted from the Twitter account this morning. I tweeted about the, the Bourne movies. <laughs> <laughs> I signed my tweets with a B, just so, so that we, we can all share the Twitter account if we want. There you go. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah, it's uh, thanks for listening, and, uh, and we'll we'll see you next time. So uh, thank you, David. Au revoir. <laughs> yeah, there you go. End it French. Uh, Fiend. Uh, good <laughs> goodbye. Hamburger. <laughs> 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 All right. See you later. <laughs> Bye.